0: Well, today's scripture comes from uh, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. We're going to read this in the ESV. And uh, th- there are ESV Bibles that are underneath your seats. And we'll give you a chance to find the scripture. Um, or for those at home, if you have your own Bible or Bible app, but I, I, you can definitely look it up there. But uh, we will also project the scripture behind me. If you're here in person, and if you're comfortable doing this at home, if you could please stand as able, uh, once you've found the scripture, once you're ready to read the scripture, for the reading of God's word for us today. All right, again, it's John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we have been talking about for a long time now, uh, throughout the school year, and uh, for some people, school year continues. For some, it's come to an end. But you know what continues, friends? Is life. That's what we're talking about. And today, uh, the, maybe the, the title of the sermon might seem a little funny to you uh, because it's called The Life of Imperfect Love. And maybe that seems kind of weird because maybe when you come to church or when you read the Bible, when you think about the saints, the, these Christ followers that have come before us, uh, we think about perfection, but I have to say that as somebody who is very, very aware of the fact that he's not perfect, that can seem a little intimidating. You know, uh, this is a, a GIF that came from like an X-Men movie, uh, but th- this guy, like, I, I think he was like German, and you know, just the way he says perfection—it's—it's become—it's uh, become kind of a meme. Uh, but it, it's like this, this very kind of like. Fitting meme, I think, for a reason, where it's this guy who, like, looks kind of stiff and intimidating and, you know, vaguely German, and it's like, perfection, you know? And that's kind of how I feel about perfection. It's kind of cold. It's kind of distant. It's not really something that I feel like I can completely relate to or something I can really snuggle up with. And maybe you feel like that in the church. And I think that sometimes that's what makes Christianity so daunting, This idea that you are supposed to follow Jesus. You're supposed to be his disciple. And one of the things that we know is that we even bear his name. You know, Christian, Christian, little Christ. That's what we are supposed to be. We are supposed to become like him, right? In the way that we love other people. And again, that might seem incredibly intimidating. And friends, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think this is necessarily what this message is about, but it's been said before, it's, it's said all the time, how sometimes the witness of uh, uh, Christianity is damaged by Christians, right? By people who bear that name and who fall so short of loving like Jesus, and I think one of the things that maybe drives people crazy is that maybe there's a, a subtle, either stated or it's just kind of implied, like an arrogance that the world feels sometimes, where they feel like Christians try to present themselves as perfect, right? They try to act like they have it all together, try to act holier and more loving than they really are. And then they just see the hypocrisy. They see the failures, right? And friends, I know that's something that I feel very acutely. And so friends, I I, want to say that this is what today's message is about. How do we proceed? How do we walk through that knowing that we're not perfect, but knowing that there is an expectation, there is a call for us to become more perfect. It's something that I say every Sunday morning, right? I say, you know, God accepts you as you are, but he loves you enough that he doesn't want to leave you there right? And that's th- these, these twin truths that we're trying to hold together, that God already knows that you're imperfect, right? And you don't need to shrink away from God. You don't need to hide from God. You can be with God, but there is a hope that we can be better. Uh, just a couple days ago, I was meeting with a group of uh, Asian American uh, uh, ministers and just people who are uh, involved in, in churches uh, just around this metro Detroit area. And actually, uh, Sarah Chang was a part of this. I don't know if you guys have met Sarah. Sarah's over here. Uh, she's awesome. I hope you guys get to meet her. And, and, and I actually told her I was going to share this story. But she shared a devotion uh, that was from Acts chapter 9. It's kind of a neat story. I, I want to encourage you guys to read the story on your own. It starts in verse 36 about a disciple named Tabitha. We're not going to go over the whole story, but what was kind of interesting was um, Sarah led us in this thing called Lectio Divina, which is like as you're reading, just whatever words kind of pop out to you, you just kind of call it out. You just kind of acknowledge, you know, wh- whatever it is that sort of like pings for you. And um, one of the things that, that uh, one of the ministers there pointed out was this part right here, the very beginning, where it says, now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. We actually read it in the NIV. And in the NIV, it says, uh, she was always doing good and helping the poor. She was always doing good and helping the poor. And it's something that he just pointed out that he was like, yeah, I, I just, this kind of pinged to me because I know that sometimes I do good. You know, sometimes I help the poor, you know, when I think about it, but oftentimes I just get so busy and there's just so many things that are just, you know, uh, like, like it's just my life and just the things that, that are just right in front of me. And I'm not always thinking about doing good. I'm not always helping the poor. I'm right. Like, like even here in the ESV version, she was full of good works and acts of charity. Maybe for some of us, we look at ourselves and we're like, I'm not full of good works. I I got some in there, right? But it's not like tons, you know? And again, it may seem really, really intimidating. But friends, I got to tell you, um, the story today is about Jesus meeting an incredibly imperfect person. It is our friend Simon Peter. You guys remember our good friend Simon Peter? We talk about him a lot. If you guys came to the Good Friday service, we talked about that story which is the last time that Jesus uh, interacted with Peter. Like he, he interacts with all the disciples uh, in some of the resurrection stories, but his last one-on-one interaction with Peter was when Jesus called out that Peter was going to deny him three times, right? This was at the, the, the Lord's Supper, right? Before Jesus went to the cross. And Peter's like, no. No, I'm going to be able to follow you perfectly, right? Everyone else falls away. I'm not going to fall away, right? I will follow you to death. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. Before this night is through, you're going to deny me three times, not once, not twice, three times. And that's exactly what happens, right? Jesus is being brought to trial. Peter's outside warming himself. And several people come up to him and ask him, hey, I recognize you. You, you. you know this Jesus guy. He's like, no, no, no. I wasn't with him. Oh, you're, no, no, no. You're one of the disciples. No, no. And the third time, he, draws, he calls curses down. He says, I do not know the man. And it's at that moment that the cock crows, right? That the, 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 the symbol before the cock crows, before the night is done, you will deny me three times. And so here we have this story, um, which it's kind of interesting, because Peter, he's already seen the resurrected Christ. According to um, the record in John, he's already seen him twice. And the first time, actually, Jesus uh, breathes on the disciples, Peter included, received the Holy Spirit, right? Right? And, and, you know, go forgive people as I have forgiven you, right? And, and, and it's kind of like, sort of like the John version of, uh, of Acts, of Pentecost, you know, and, and, and this receiving of the Holy Spirit. You would think now they're ready. They're ready to commence ministry. They're ready to go out into the world. And we know that they will eventually, right? They're going to go out and they are going to tell people about Jesus boldly. But it's very interesting at the beginning of this passage. That's not quite what happens. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he re- re- revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that. But that night, they caught nothing. Okay, friends, it's kind of weird, right? First of all, I just want to point out that (laughs) throughout the Gospels, there are some really weird details that are just pointed out. And it's one of these things that, um, I'm not saying this is definitive proof that, that these stories are real, but some of the things that are in there are just, like, so specific and, like, so kind of weird that it just kind of makes you think that, like, You wouldn't write this unless it actually happened. And this whole conversation just is kind of weird to me. Like, they're just sitting around, right? You know, probably just in awe, like, dude, we just saw Jesus twice, right? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Peter's like, I don't know about you all, (laughs) but I'm going fishing. What is going on? Why does he say that? Friends, if you can put yourself in Peter's shoes... Just imagine, right? You failed Jesus three times. I mean, he's probably feeling mad uncomfortable. What do you do when you feel uncomfortable? What do you do? What do you do? Do you go do something adventurous and bold for the kingdom of God? Or do you do something really, really familiar? Right? Friends, I want to ask you uh, what do you tend to do when you fail? Probably, you're like Peter. You're going to do something that's familiar. Peter is a fisher person, right? He's been doing it his whole life. That's how Jesus met Peter. He was fishing, right? But there's something very interesting. Remember, when Jesus encountered Peter and he was fishing, what happened? He said, come and follow me, right? He gives him an alternate path, right? And Peter leaves his nets behind. He says, come and follow me, and I will make you fisher I will make you, right, the disciples, fishers of men, fishers of people, right? He's giving them a new purpose, right? He's not supposed to be an ordinary fisherman anymore, right? But here's Peter. He has received the Holy Spirit, they have received this commission. And he he can't do it. Instead, he falls on something absolutely familiar. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for you, it's Netflix. You know, when you're feeling stressed out, you just start scrolling or YouTube or whatever. Just kind of mindlessly watch cat videos or, you know, dogs who are greeting their owners who've come back from the military. I don't know what it is for you. Um, Maybe it's a, a familiar food. You know, you have a certain comfort food that you always eat. Whenever you're feeling down, you know, ice cream, or you know, th- there's some potato chips that, that you really like. You know, I, I saw someone. I'm not going to p- point out the person, uh, but I, I saw some people going like this. That's me. That's me. <laughs> I, I, that, that's what I do. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a nap. You know, some of you that that's kind of your go-to move, right? When you're feeling stressed out, just everything's getting overwhelming, and you just curl up into bed, and you're just like, "Goodbye, world." You know, for the next couple hours, you just pretend like this doesn't exist. And friends, you know, my question is, are those things aligning you with fear or with love? Because this whole year we have been talking about life in the kingdom of God. What is life in the kingdom of God? What kind of kingdom is this? How would you characterize it in one word? I'll give you the one word that keeps coming up in scripture. It is love. The kingdom of God is characterized by love, the love of God. Right? That he loves us and cares for us, and we don't need to fear anything. But the kingdom of this world and the way of this world, it is characterized, well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. But if I had to pick one word, it would be fear. Right? you got fear, and you got love. And the problem is, is that human beings, oftentimes, we're so stuck in fear, and we're still operating at that level, that we're not able to get to this higher level, which is the level of love. Right. We're just concerned about our survival. Right. We're concerned about clearing any threats, any harm, any discomfort. Right. And we're just living on that level. And so we're just living. I mean, let's be honest, very selfishly. Right. It's just just all about how we're feeling in the moment and just trying to be And And I get it. It makes sense. If you feel like you're under threat, that's what you're going to do. Right. And that's where Peter is right now. That when Jesus comes and he's like, okay, go, (laughs) Holy Spirit. And Peter just seems to get stuck. Failure, 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 denial, denial, denial. Three times he denied Jesus. He clearly is not over this. He's not able to go. And so he does what probably you or I would do. He does something super familiar. And I just want to say, so my second question here is, whatever you tend to do when you fail, that second question is really important. Is the thing that you do your go-to move? We all have it, right? A stress go-to move. A failure go-to move, a feeling bad go-to move, right? That, that we pointed out, uh, it, it might be different for you. Like, like, don't let it discourage you if I didn't point out your go-to move. It could be so many different things, right? I don't know, maybe it's art. Maybe it's listening to music or maybe it's exercising or punching a wall or I don't know what it is. Maybe it's you know yelling at somebody. I don't know what your go-to move is in stress. But the question that I have for you is, is it aligning you with fear or love? If you're already in fear, that's what's happening when you fail, right? You're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. And the fear is, I'm going to continue to be a failure. Or things are not going to go the way that they should, right? And, and it can be so difficult to face that we're just reaching for something that will make us feel better, right? Maybe take our mind off of it. The fight or flight kind of thing. You know, some of us, we're just, we're just running, Right? And there's a very interesting move when it comes to survival, right? We all know fight or flight, right? And, and and those are like the two most common. So like, you know, fighting would be getting angry about something, right? If there's somebody who, who harms you or you know something that didn't go your way, you just get mad. You're like, this is stupid. Ah! Right? That's the fight, right? The flight is you run from it. You try to pretend it doesn't exist, you try to take your mind off of it, right? There's a third option. And in nature, it is the most extreme option, right? So fight or flight, think about like, like a gazelle, right? There's a lion. And, you know, maybe like it's like a really small lion. <laughs> if the threat isn't that big, the gazelle can fight, right? Gazelle can kick the lion in the face, right? And that would be the first option. But oftentimes, lions are not tiny. They're bigger, stronger than the gazelle. So then comes the second option. Then you run, right? But what if... What if the lion gets the gazelle? What if the lion actually just sinks its teeth into the gazelle? You know what the third move is? It is the most extreme. They play dead. They just, like, like their eyes get glassy and they just, it's not accepting their fate. You know what that is? It's, it's the hope that the lion will think they're dead and leave them alone, right? Or maybe be like, okay, you're dead. I'll come back to you and I'll go get the other gazelle, right? Because you're already dead. And so the gazelle is just sitting there. When the lion leaves, then it's like, okay, let's go, right? It is the most extreme move, right? But this, for us, human beings, we're not gazelles, right? But this move is freezing. You ever get to the point where you get so overwhelmed, you literally just, like, you can't move. You lock up. This is very, a very common stress response when things get super overwhelming, right? And this is the reason why. You know, for some people, when you're running from something, um, you know, you might feel that sensation of running. But for others, you just feel completely numb. You feel nothing. And I've definitely gotten to that place where I've become so overwhelmed by stress, your, your body just kind of shuts down. It's like that gazelle that just, right? And friends, I got to tell you, those three things are not aligning you with love. You're just on the continuum of fear, right? Can there be things that help you to know that you're loved? Because this is the thing. This is the kingdom of love. You have to receive love. And know your love. You, you, like love has to become the air that you breathe. It becomes part of you. And then you start to become love yourself. You got to know you're loved in order to love. This is why there's so many people who like maybe have like messed up childhoods, right? You know, they're deprived of love. They're deprived of care. And just their whole life is just characterized by fear. By uncertainty. By just trying to Survive. Because they have not become aligned with love. So, friends, um, I gotta tell you, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, when when you like do something for a stress response, uh, you know, to uh, re- you know read a book or you know watch a TV show, or go for a run, you know, that might actually help to kind of clear your head a little bit. You know, maybe it does actually help to distress you, right? But I think just the question I want to ask you is: It's not about what you are doing necessarily. But that question of, is it aligning you with love or fear? Yes, some of these things, it kind of takes your mind off of it for a little bit. But maybe all you're doing without dealing with the fear underneath, you're just pushing it down. And unfortunately, if it's like a case of a test or something, right? And your response is go to go to YouTube or take a nap and take a ton of time to do that, right? Your test is still there. And so after you come up from your two-hour nap or your two-hour YouTube binge session, now the stress is even more extreme, right? And so in the end, it's not aligning you with love, right? And so friends, um, let's take a look at this interaction with Jesus because Jesus, he's here for Peter. He's here for the other disciples, but it's pretty clear in this interaction. He's come to do some business with Peter, right? Right? And so when they had finished breakfast, oh, and by the way, uh, again, it's a great story. We're, we're not, we don't have time to go through all of it, but I encourage you to read the whole story. There's some, like, really weird stuff that happens, too. Um, like, like uh, so one thing is, like, Jesus calls them children. It's like, children, have you caught any fish? It's very interesting. Why would he call them children? But it's, like, that very kind of, like, paternal, very, like, right? They're children of God. He calls them children. It's kind of neat. Um, another thing in the story, too, that's kind of funny is, like, Peter, he's working, right? He's fishing, right? And these are the kinds of things, like, like, you don't really think about unless you were actually there. But Peter, he had taken off his outer cloak, and he's out there, you know, he's working hard. They haven't caught anything, right? And then when uh, John sees that it's it's Jesus, he's like it's Jesus, it's the Lord, right? And it tells us that Peter puts on his outer garment and then he dives into the water. It's really strange, right? But maybe like Peter, he was like, I don't want to approach Jesus, the Lord, half naked, you know? But again, one of those weird details that just makes me think this actually happened, you know? Um, So this is after uh, they have a miraculous catch of fish, right? And so this is... Echoing what happened when the disciples were first called, you guys remember that, right? Same thing, they went fishing, they weren't able to catch anything, and Jesus says, No, 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 let's go out for one more catch, go to deeper waters. And they do it, and they have more fish than they can possibly handle. Same thing happens. I kind of joke around, I mean, I'm sure it happens with fishing. I joke around, I'm like. Were the disciples good fishers? Because they always seem to never be catching anything. But it's probably just the nature of fishing, right? It's, it's kind of difficult sometimes. You don't always get stuff. But here they have this miraculous catch of fish, right? And so they find themselves, they're, they're on the beach and they, they cook the, the, the fish, right? And they're eating it. And when they had finished uh, breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than these could be the fish it could be the disciples right but he's measuring Simon's love do you love me more than these you know Um, do you love me more than you love fishing this thing that you did because it was comfortable because it was familiar I don't know do you love me more than the other disciples because you said you did before right you said that even when they all fall away I won't fall away I don't know but he's measuring Simon's love And so Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You guys might have noticed that when I was reading the scripture, I said love uh, different every time, kind of. I said, like, do you love me more than these? I I emphasize that because um, I get kind of geeky about this, guys. And so hopefully you won't get too lost. Um, But in the Greek, the word for love keeps changing throughout the scripture. It's very interesting. Some scholars, you know, just kind of gloss over it. Um, Some are like, that's very interesting because it seems to intentionally change, right? And so when Jesus asks uh, Peter, do you love me more than these? He uses the classic form of love, the agape love. He says agapas, right? So this is the love that's in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It's kind of perfect Love, godly love, sacrificial love, right? So that's what he says. Agapas, do you love me with agape love? But Jesus, uh, sorry, Peter responds. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I, he changes the word here. He actually says phileo, right? That's like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? It's, It's like a fondness. It's still love, right? But a different kind of love. Right? So he's like saying, like, it's almost like you know, Jesus is saying, Do you love me? And Peter's saying, I like you. <laughs> right? I'm fond of you. Right? Very interesting. Right? Could it be, I don't know, right? We're just implying here, but could it be that Peter knows I was not able to love you with agape love? I couldn't do it. I failed. So, Lord, you know. That I'm just fond of you. I don't really love you. I don't have perfect love, right? And so Jesus says, feed my lambs. We're going to get back to this, uh, the meaning of Jesus' response. But then Jesus says a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, agapas. Do you love me with agape love? But Simon responds the same way. Yes, Lord, you know that phileo. I'm fond of you. I like you. So he says to him, tend my sheep. And then Jesus says to him the third time, Simon, son of John. And Jesus changes the word here. He doesn't say agapas. He says, Simon, son of John, Phileas, are you fond of me? And so I think it's really interesting Because it's here that Peter was grieved, right? This is what it says in scripture. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Phileis, are you fond of me? It doesn't say that Peter was grieved because he asked him three times. And that was insulting because he kept asking again and again and again, right? It says that he was grieved because the third time he asked him a different question. Are you fond of me? like highlighting the fact that Peter was not able to love perfectly, right? And so Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know phileo. You know that I'm just fond of you. You know that I'm not able to love perfectly. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. It's the same answer, three times essentially. Feed my lambs, Uh, Tend my sheep, feed my sheep. It is basically the same thing, right? And Jesus is trying to meet Peter where he is, but you can see Peter's despair. You just hear it in the way that he's responding to Jesus. He's responding because he cannot love perfectly. Is that how you guys feel? When you fail God or when you fail at being the kind of loving person that you know you should be, when you fail to forgive someone, or maybe you react in in anger. This is something that happens to me. I have stuff that's just stuck in my story and and, and stuck in my psyche. And whenever I encounter things that rub against that stuff, some of the things when I was young, the slights, the racism, the the being overlooked, the feeling small, the the making mistakes and feeling like an idiot, whenever something just rubs into that, I got to say, friends, I just, I just lose it. I, I, I have a really hard time holding it together. I get angry or a snap. I've done it to my kids. I've done it to my wife. It's not something I'm proud of. But in those moments, what is your response? Right? Maybe for you, friends, I think if we're all being honest, there are moments when we fail to be perfectly loving. How do we respond? For Peter, he despairs. I don't know how else to put it, but I just... You can almost hear it just dripping from his voice. Jesus, you know all things. You know that I can't love like that. But, friends, you know, I got to say that I think part of this message is for us to hear that Jesus still encounters Peter, even though he has failed to perfectly love. He has not given up on Peter. And interestingly, His answer to Peter is always the same. It's always the same. It's always the same. Right? Yo, go feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Right? Feed my sheep. Right? It's the same thing again and again and again. And what's interesting is Jesus does a little kind of prophesying over Peter. Right? And so he says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And we're told uh, here in verse 19, this he said to show but what kind of death he was to glorify God. And so friends, remember, Peter said that he would follow Jesus to death, but he was not able to do it. But we know by, by tradition that Peter eventually will be martyred. He's gonna die for the faith, right? And this is, seems to be what, Peter, what, what Jesus is indicating. It's like, Peter, you cannot follow me perfectly yet. Your love is feeble right now, but it's not always gonna be. Someday you will be able to follow me to the end. You will be faithful. And by the way, friends, in that story, that we opened with. you guys remember, we, we, we all, it seems like a long time ago now, with Tabitha. Tabitha died, right? She was this person who's like loving on the widows and loving on the poor, right? And she was doing it really well. Do you know who's the one who resurrects her? At least, I mean, you know, it's the power of God. But who's the instrument? It's Peter. <laughs> Verse 40. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Peter becomes an instrument of resurrection, right? He witnesses the resurrection. And God uses Peter to resurrect other people. It's so cool. From a failure of a man, A man who kept failing over and over and over again. And his love was not perfect. But it gets better. God is still able to use him, right? And friends, you know, I I, I want to go back for a second. Why feed sheep? Why why was that Jesus' answer? Every time Peter said, Jesus, I can't love you like that. He's like, okay, well go feed my sheep, right? One of the things that you might notice about feeding sheep, um, sheep are really easy to feed (laughs) because they just eat grass. All you got to do is take a sheep to grass, right? You don't got to do anything. You don't got to like kill an animal or fish or hunt or do anything super complicated. You're just like, sheep, here's some grass. Cool, go for it, right? He also says, tend my sheep, which means he's got to be there with them, right? So it's a little bit more than just, hey, sheep, go at it. Just eat whatever you want. He's got to lead them there, right? But this, I think, is something Peter can do. Peter isn't, Jesus isn't saying to Peter, Peter, you got to do everything perfectly. You got to be a a martyr. You got to be willing to die for me, right? Sometimes uh, uh, people are so afraid to say yes to God because they're afraid of what God is going to ask of them. And they're afraid that God is going to ask more than they are able to do, right? So if you say, like, Jesus, take all of me. You know, have your will in me. Do as you will. I will go wherever you send me. Uh, Dallas Willard calls this the fear of being sent to Africa. (laughs) That there's this fear that if we say, God, do as you will, that God's going to be like, okay, I want you to be a missionary to Africa. And we're going to be like, no. I mean, maybe, maybe. But Dallas Willard's point is like, you know, if you're not ready for Africa, he's not going to send you to Africa. And not everyone's going to go to Africa because then where would the rest of us be? You know? It's not something we need to be afraid of. God knows what you are ready for. God knows what you are capable of. And friends, I think what Jesus is trying to do in this passage it is simply trying to align Peter to love. Right? He's just saying, hey, go and take care of some of my sheep. Right? That's it. Right? He doesn't say how. He doesn't say who. He doesn't say what. He just says, go take care of some sheep. And friends, maybe this can be a way that you can align yourself when you are in fear, when you fail. Right? And so the question is, how can you feed the sheep around you? Right? Friends, maybe your go-to move when you're feeling off is can you pray for someone else? Can you maybe text somebody and encourage them? Hey, you know, I've been feeling a little off today. I was wondering if we could pray for each other, right? That might be a cool thing. Friends, notice what's happening in this passage is Jesus seems to be reinstating Peter. He never explicitly says the words, I forgive you. But everything in Jesus's demeanor is saying, Peter, I'm not done with you. Peter, I want to be with you. Peter, I'm eating a meal with you. Peter, I'm fishing with you. Peter, I'm still calling you. I'm not disqualifying you. Even when he answers, you know, like the way he answers, phileo, phileo. He's like, agapas, agapas, agapas. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He's like, yeah, I kind of like you, Jesus. Jesus still doesn't give up on him, Right? And friends, I, I wonder, you know, what does that look like? What does that process of being reinstated to love look like for you? Maybe it's talking to somebody who's going to respond in love and compassion to you, right? I think this is where the church comes in. I think this is what small group is supposed to be. The power of small group for me oftentimes is when you fail, because we all fail, right? That, 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 that you, you say like, oh man, you know, I yelled at my kids this week. Oh, my gosh, that hurts me so much. Like, oh, I felt so bad. You have people not being like, what's wrong with you? Like, what kind of parent are you? Like, that's going to align you to fear, right? But there's people who are like, they, they listen, right? Maybe they don't always have the right words to say. Maybe they don't always know what to say. But they stare there with you. And, and there's this kind of acceptance. There's this kind of idea that you are not being cast out from the fellowship of God because of your mistakes, and it is a kind of forgiveness, but it's even more than that. It aligns us to love. That's what we are trying to do as a church. That's what we are trying to do in our relationship with God. Maybe for some of you, it's listening to a praise song. Um, I think Hanum uh, and Jamie, are we doing uh, "As You Find Me"? This is one of the songs that um, I was talking to one of our past worship leaders. And he loves this song, As You Find Me. We're going to sing it, like, in a minute or so. But it's the song he listens to whenever he kind of feels like a failure. And it's kind of become that for me. There have been moments, um, past couple weeks, uh, uh, probably, I mean, if you want to ask me about it, I'll tell you. But there are times where I just really did not feel like doing anything. I just felt like such a bum. You know, and and I I just, like, I, I was just getting stuck on some things. And I remembered what this brother said. I just kept listening to that song, As You Find Me. It's this idea that God loves us exactly as we are, even though we make mistakes, even though we fail. He loves us when we are high and when we are low, but he loves enough that he doesn't want to leave us there. Praise team, can you guys come up? And maybe just as they are coming up, You know, uh, maybe you can think of, in moments like these, because in the heat of the moment, it's sometimes hard to come up with what the next move is. You're just in stress, or you're just, right, like in your trauma. You're in your feelings. And you just reach for whatever you can. Or maybe some of you just curl up into a ball, or you freeze, or whatever whatever stress response you have, right? But maybe, friends, the more we can talk about this, and the more that we can... um, The more that we can dedicate ourselves to this purpose, we want to become aligned to the love of God. We want to become more loving. We want to become more like Jesus. Maybe you can kind of strategize right now. Maybe you want to put in your notes or just a reminder somewhere. What could be your go-to move in the face of failure? What could help you to align yourself to the kingdom of love? Remind you, you are loved. Remind you, you're a child of God, right? You're, you're not just a random piece of space dust. You are a God of the King who sent Jesus to die for you, who has never given up on you and never will. And so we can boldly go before the throne of God and we can confess when we've made mistakes. We, we, we can face that. We can even go to other people and tell them, hey, I messed up. I'm really sorry I yelled at you. And and we can align ourselves to this way of love again. Friends, let's pray. God, I just hope for all of us, Lord, that we know that we are not alone in this. We all fail, we all mess up, we all fall short, just like Peter. And yet, like Peter, you don't give up on us. You never give up on us. You're always giving us second, third, fourth, fifth chances. You meet us where we are. We can't love perfectly but you just want to line us up a little bit more with your love today than we were before. We thank you, God, for that. We pray, God, that all of us can take your hand again. We can take your invitation to be part of this kingdom of love, to become people of love, to become little Christ in this world that needs you so much, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.